Well, good morning. We're certainly glad to be here. And as is already mentioned, that uh, those visiting, we're certainly glad to have you. That Mike is in a meeting in Alabama, and Jared and several of our young folks, and some others too, are in Oklahoma. So I'm going to fill in this morning, and we appreciate each one being with us. Before I begin our study, I want to mention a family that I mentioned in class, Alan and Vanna. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but y'all will get familiar with them and get me to learning how to pronounce their names. Zuniga, Ethan, and Dylan, their sons, who are with Jared and the others out in Oklahoma, and their little girl, Bella Grace. We're certainly glad to have them with us. They're sitting right here. Alan led prayer for us in Bible class. And we certainly have, uh, I want to express our appreciation for them now working with us and get to meet them and to know them. This morning, as Gary read from a very familiar passage of scripture, Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1 and 2. But I want to set this, the background, so to speak, of what is transpiring here. Jesus has been dealing with the scribes, the Pharisees, and he's called them hypocrites. In fact, in the preceding three chapters, chapters 11, 12, and 13, he's called them hypocrites. He's been speaking to them and dealing with them. And now he's going to give, and he's been giving parables, of course. And now the last verse of, of chapter 14, the last sentence there, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now Jesus is speaking to these people, and he's been trying to get them to understand their hypocrisy, that is, of the Pharisees and the scribes in their actions and in their teaching. And now when we begin in chapter 14, the thought continues. Then drew near to him the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So notice who are coming to hear Jesus, the tax collectors and sinners to hear him. Are we listening? Then the Pharisees and scribes in verse 2, they complain, they murmur, they criticize Jesus as they've been doing. And they say, this man receives sinners and eats with them of all things. Who did Jesus come to save? Remember over in Luke 19 and verse 10, Zacchaeus a tax collector, you recall. A Jewish tax collector for the Roman government despised. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. And in verse 10 we read, he came to seek and save who? The lost. It's a sad condition to be lost. It's a sadder condition to be lost and not know 
you're lost. No one seeks to, be, to find salvation until first realizing they're in a lost condition. The first, this is really one parable that he first begins with a sheep that's lost, a coin, a silver coin a lady has lost, and then when we get down to where we're going to be speaking this morning concerning a boy who is lost. This evening I plan to back up to the first two of this illustration of this parable. But this morning we're going to begin down at verse 14. A certain man. Now many times Jesus uses in scripture a certain person. No name but they're identified by the word certain, a certain person. We're all a certain person in the eyes of God. We're individuals. You may want to put your name in the spot that we're discussing this morning as we read. A certain man had two sons. So we learn of this man, though not named, but as we proceed, we will see the father obviously is represented by this man. God, our heavenly father. This man has two sons. And the younger son, not named, but he's the younger of the two, says to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall or belong to me. So his father divided them, his livelihood, his property. Now notice the first thing we do, having now learned that he's got two sons. And this younger one says, give me. Give me. What does that tell you about this young man right off? Who's he interested in? Self, exactly. Give me. The portion or the goods that belonged are coming to me. And his father divided it amongst them. Now, by the culture and tradition of the Jews, this younger man would receive a, a portion and the elder brother would leave, receive two because of his being the firstborn. But this younger one, he says, give me what's mine. And his father does so. He divides it amongst them. Not many days or a short time later, later, the younger son gathered all together. 
So now he has his portion. He has his money. And he gathers up whatever belongings, whatever he has now all together. And he journeys to a far country. He wants to get away from home. Want to get away from dad. Want to get away from my father. Everything we read about his father is good. But I've had enough. For whatever reason he wants to go, I've got my money, got my goods, I'm getting out of here. You think that attitude may exist today with some? I want to go. Get away. Give me what's mine. I'm interested in who? Me, myself, and I. So we we read he travels to a far country. Far away. Getting away from dad, home. And then we read he wasted, wasted his possessions with prodigal living, New King James says. Prodigal means reckless, wasteful extravagance. I've got my money, got my goods, and no doubt now in that far country, you think he has any new friends? It's amazing how money can bring people to you, isn't it? Especially when you're young. You get a fancy car, you have any trouble getting folks to jump in it? You just watch the roads, how they'll fly by old folks like me. We were young once ourselves when we're old. We were once, David says, I once was young, but now I'm old. He goes to a far country, away from dad, family, loved ones. So here he is out there now, but we read he wastes it. What does that mean? He spent it on a lot of unnecessary and even bad things, didn't he? Later on, when we read about his older brother, he says, And he's got his attitude and his problems. I don't know if we'll get to today or not. Probably not this morning. We may touch on it tonight. And of course, he and himself, the elder brother, is a representation of the Pharisees themselves. Your son has wasted it on harlots, prostitutes. Well, perhaps he did. We know he wasted it because of what we read. And as a result of wasting his money, what does he have left? Doesn't have it anymore, does he? Any friends he may have acquired while he had the money, where are they now? They're gone. He doesn't have any. How do we know that? Well, we're going to read in a minute. where No one would give him anything. You ever known anybody that had friends that left them when the money ran out? When the good time's over with? When the party's ended? Where are they? 
The world has no good things to offer. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. They pass. They're not long-lasting. Where's the spiritual good now? He's wasted it, hasn't he? So we begin to read in verse 14. When he had spent all, there arose a severe famine, a great famine. No food, everything's scarce now. Famine is in the land, and this young man is now finding himself in want, in need. He's in desperation. He's in a terrible plight. And he has no one to help him. That's a sad condition, isn't it? Earlier we read the word lost. In fact, we read it several times here. That's what it is to be lost. In a sad state. Lost. He wastes his money and all that he had in reckless, riotous living. Now he has nothing, no place to stay, no home to go to at this point, no food to eat. What am I going to do? Well, he joins himself to a fellow who raises hogs. Now, what worse situation could you describe for a Jewish boy than to find himself in a pig pen tending pigs. You know, hog, swine, pork was an unclean food. They had, couldn't eat under the old law, wasn't it? Now, in our day and time, it's some good barbecue, isn't it? But back there and then, this was about the lowest one could get as a Jewish boy. Feeding, slopping around in a pig pen. Now, a few of you here may know exactly what that's like. Some of us do. And over there, I understand they have pods. Well, we usually feed corn and grain. There was a tree, or is a tree that's common over there, a carob tree. And it has pods. And if you're familiar with the thorn trees around here, and some locust trees, you'll see when they go to see the pod, similar to that. And that's what they commonly feed hogs, and that's what he's feeding hogs. He's so hungry, we read, he craved those pods that the hogs are eating. So hungry. But we read in verse 16, he would have filled his belly with those various pods that the hogs are eating, if he could. But we also read, no man, no one gave anything to him. 
I can just imagine this fella that had hired him on to feed the hogs. Said, now listen, those hogs get this. You don't eat that. You fend for yourself. But don't be eating my hogs food. But he craved it. He's so hungry. Now try to visualize a person in that situation. Today we have people who are desperately in need as this boy is. They're wallowing around in a hog pen and they haven't yet realized it, as he will. They're wallowing around in a pen of drugs or alcohol or immorality of various kinds. And they're living a life of debauchery, immorality, disgust, hate what they're doing. And so many think there's no way out. But there is, isn't it? The same way this boy is going to find his way out. In verse 17, we read, when he came to himself, verse 17, oh, he's been thinking now. You know, if you've ever had a bucket of water or a barrel of water or a pond to look in, it can be a mirror, can't it? You can look at it and see yourself. I can't help but wonder if one day in particular, after he had been stinking like these hogs, he happened to look down. Maybe he was going to pour water over in a trough for them. Maybe there was a pond that they used. And he happened to look down, and in that he saw himself in that water. It can be a mirror, can't it? It can reflect your face. Whatever... He came to himself. He came to a point of realization. I'm in a mess. And I don't like it. Think about what he was thinking now. His memory. Daddy, give me mine, right? Where is it now? Gone. Doesn't have it anymore, does he? But in no doubt he's thinking, Father, I wished I was back home. You ever been homesick? This boy thought he was sick of home. Now he's what? Homesick, isn't he? I want to go home. I get to thinking about it, he says. My father has hired servants. And they're eating good. I used to be there with them. And my dad fed them good, took care of them. I don't have that even. 
My father fed them good. They always had full. They were full. They ate all they wanted. And here I am starving. And then he says in verse 18, as he's thinking about home, about his father, and all that he had, if he had still been there, what would he have had? All that he left, wouldn't he? And now he's thinking about it. And he comes to himself. He comes back in his mind through the young man he once was. Before he left home, before he left father, before he left God. He is now in a place where God's not. He's left him. He's found a place that he doesn't want to be and he doesn't need to be. So now, think of the memories. Can you remember a time when we all loaded up and everybody went to worship? We all sang together. We all worshiped together. Great Christian friends and family. Then off in the far country, got away from all of that. Now down here in the pig pen, and he has time to think about it. Does he miss it? Sometimes when we get to the lowest that we think we could possibly get to, the only way we can look is where? Up. And this boy now is looking up. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I will arise in verse 18 and go to my father. I want to go home. And those memories that have flooded his mind now for these days, weeks, whatever period of time it's been, thinking about father, come back home. Represented by his father is really our heavenly father, isn't it? This is a parable, an illustration, a lesson. I will arise, I'm going to go to my father. Notice, my father. I'm going to him, and here's what I'm going to say. He prepares what he's going to say when he gets there. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now notice, he's come to himself. He's thinking. You see this word repentance. Penitence is being a change of mind, isn't it? Yep, I'm going home. I'm getting out of this mess. I'm going to arise and go home. And I'm going to say, Father, I have what? Sinned. 
against heaven, my heavenly Father. All sin is transgression of God's law, isn't it? Someone else has sinned against too. Earthly Father. His own self, hasn't he? I'm going home. And this is what I'm going to say. Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But from the father's perspective, is he still his son? Yes. Can you envision this father looking off as we were going to read? He saw him coming afar off, didn't he? And he ran to meet him. Can you envision this man, this father, looking every day down the road, hoping? Is he praying for his son? Anticipating one day coming home, coming back to me. So his son is thinking, I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against you and Heavenly Father. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. Just make me like one of your hired servants. Now he's thought this, he's planned it, this is what I'm going to do. So he arises and he comes to his father. But when he's still a great way off, now we see his father, as we just mentioned, running to him, doesn't he? And when he comes to him, notice the reception. When he's a great way off, his father saw him. He's been looking, he's been looking, he's been anticipating, he's been praying, he's been hoping one day, and this is our Heavenly Father, those who've wandered away will come home. Those who've never been obedient to the gospel, not yet his child, will come and become one of his children through faith, repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins, the new birth, now a child of God. Watching, waiting, pleading, praying, hoping that that day will come. He ran to his son. His father saw him and had compassion. Oh, what a wonderful word, isn't it? We've been singing about the love of God, weren't we? Compassion. That's love. Demonstrated. Feeling for. And he runs, and I envision an older fellow that's not running as fast as this boy may be, Abel. But he's running as best he can, and he falls on his neck, hugs him, and kisses him. And the indication in the original, he just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on hugging him and kissing him. My son has come home. 
And now the son, the boy says, Father, this is what he prepared to say, didn't he? I have sinned against heaven, God. And in your sight, I've sinned against my heavenly father. Yes, my earthly father too. And not worthy to be called your son. But you know he had prepared also to say, just make me one of your servants, right? But you see, if you're reading along, you notice, but in verse 22, his father interrupts him. He doesn't even get to that. I'm not worthy to be your, called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him. He doesn't get to the servant, I make me a servant. His dad is stopping. Servants, bring the robe, the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Rings were very important in that day and time. That was a status or a seal of ownership or belonging. Whose is he? My son. Put it on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Now you can just imagine what it was like in that pig pen with no shoes or boots. Put a robe on him the best. Put a ring on his hand. He's my son. And shoes on his feet. He looks like royalty now, doesn't he? That's the reception God gives us when we come home. Forgiven. Back in fellowship. Back where we belong. Back where we should have never left. Bring the fatted calf. Now look at this. We're going to, you talk about a party. This boy hadn't been to a party like he's getting now. Oh, he thought at one time they were partying it up and having a dandy time, weren't they? Look what dad's doing. The fatted calf. You notice that? The calf that's been kept up, corn fed, ribeyes, T-bones, filet, Great marbling in it. Don't bring no, the old scrawny calf. Bring the fatted calf. The best. Put the, clothe him with the best. Feed him the best. Let us eat and be happy, merry, rejoicing. That's another word when you read this parable beginning back in verses 3. You'll read that word rejoice. Joy. So sadness has turned to what? Gladness, hasn't it? Because my boy, my son, he's home. And look how happy he is to be home. So you've seen a selfish boy. You've seen a sinning boy. You've seen a sorrowful boy. 
Now we see a saved boy, don't we? With rejoicing. We read the angels of heaven rejoice. And in the presence of God. Heaven rejoices. God rejoices. Christ, the Holy Spirit, heaven rejoices when the person is saved or a lost one comes home. Perhaps you know someone like that. Could it be you? We began this reading with a certain person. Who's that certain person this morning? Perhaps maybe you or someone watching, listening, has been contemplating, thinking about the terrible situation they find themselves in. Out in the far country of sin. And now they're thinking about and needing to come home. Perhaps once a faithful Christian but maybe for a long time, perhaps not too long a time, been unfaithful and need to come home. Perhaps someone who's never been home with the Heavenly Father, a member of his church, a faithful son or daughter, and desire to be one. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You believe the Heavenly Father represented here loves you? He gave His Son for you, John 3, 16. He's looking, He's praying, He's longing for you to come to Him. Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. I'll forgive you. I'll wash you white in the blood of the Lamb. And all that sin and all that guilt, all that pain will be taken care of. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You're willing to confess, yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, based on Matthew 32 and 33, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Willing to repent like this boy did. Come to yourself. And then be baptized for the remission of those sins. Added to the body of Christ, enjoying the bliss and the happiness of salvation, heaven rejoicing, and fellow Christians rejoicing with you. If you need to come, we encourage you as together we stand and sing.